Hello, everyone. This is a spoiler alert. Uh, this happened this weekend. We've passed on all we know. and generations live in you now. But this is your fight. guys the audio for the episode 9 trailer we're going to be talking about this in just a moment so here we go let's start the show Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that learned the hard way how strong you need to be to pull the ears off a gun dark. My name is Drew. I'll be the host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Yo! <laughs> okay, so we had to take last week off and not because um, it was basically we were just busy. Yeah. Um, we didn't, it wasn't like anyone was sick. We took last week off because Star Wars Celebration happened and we had stuff to do. Uh, we didn't go as press, but we will be talking about things we saw and did. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Sorry, you looked at your Oh, no. Something. I mean, we at least... I mean, we flirted with the periphery of Star Wars Celebration. <laughs> Some of us more than others, but yeah, it was <laughs> right. awesome, nonetheless. Right. So. Yeah, my, my story is a little bit more um, exciting than Peter's, but we'll get to that momentarily. <laughs> um, so with that being said, let's hit the task like usual uh what are we watching what are we reading um so i'm still uh trying to catch up on game of thrones and that's still going awesomely um but other than that i uh i watched this uh independent uh movie that came out you might have heard of called shazam uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah a little film called shazam go ahead (laughs) 
Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I saw this in theaters. I thought it was awesome. It was uh, a ton of fun from start to finish. Um, but it also just, like, it's hard to say, like, it's hard to gather my thoughts. I thought it was really good. I felt like if you're a Shazam fan of just the character, I feel like this is probably the greatest movie ever. Um, for me, this was a movie where I went in not knowing a ton about, like, the whole Shazam character and his lore. Like, I know the basics of, like, Billy Batson turns into Captain Marvel, stuff like that. But as far as, like... He turns into Shaz Shazam. Who's... What? <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as the uh, Shazam extended family and stuff, I don't know a lot about that. I don't know a lot about his villains. Um, so it was kind of cool, though, to watch this movie where... I could tell they were putting Easter eggs into the background of it. A lot of it, I was just kind of like, I don't think I know what that is, but I know there's some people out there who do, and they're super grateful. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a great movie. I loved the main villain. I thought just the whole concept around the main villain and how it, uh, that character and his powers or however you want to word it, was displayed, was just really, really neat. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts well, on it? Well, first, if you're not in the know, uh, the reason I made a joke about Captain Marvel versus Shazam <laughs> is that Shazam's original name was Captain Marvel, and it was changed due to a lawsuit with Marvel Comics and Disney a long time ago. Um, I'm still baffled how that all played out, but it's fine. Um, I loved the movie. It's... Tons of fun. It's tons of fun in all the right ways. Um, yes, the the villain's actually kind of scary. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting for a movie that is definitely a focused on the family-friendly movie. It's kind of a scary villain, and there were some scary oh, yeah. points. Uh, my son, I looked over at him a couple times, and he was watching the movie through his fingers, which <laughs> honestly is kind of cool. Yeah. So, um... I mean, to me, it was scary, but then we grew up with movies like, I don't know, Willow or NeverEnding Story. Like, I'm used to kids' movies actually having scary parts and scary yeah, monsters and stuff. Very and much so. This movie felt like that. It felt like the 80s and early 90s when kids' movies didn't necessarily try to be too safe when you would see a character die sometimes or you would see some really scary character and I really appreciated it, you know. So the uh I knew I know a good chunk about the Shazam origin, mm -hmm. but I didn't know a lot about the Shazam villain. So Dr. Sylvania, I know of him. I've I've seen him in comic books and you know you deal with him, but I didn't know a lot about his backstory and it was really cool to see that. So that I really liked. My I have one criticism of the movie, and it's kind of a dumb criticism to have, but uh, when Billy Badson meets uh, Freddy, and he's talking, uh, and he's talking to him about like just his superhero stuff, because Freddy's just into superheroes, and he shows him his bullet from super that bounced off Superman's chest. He was able to get a bullet yeah. that actually like hit Superman, and he's like, "It'd be worth so much money if I sold it." And, so that's a legit Superman bullet. And Freddy, if you look, if you watch his wardrobe, he is wearing a different superhero shirt in every scene in the movie. So he's clearly into superheroes. But his batarang that sits on his death on his dresser, when Billy Badson sees it and he's like, "Oh my god, that's a batarang," Freddy says, "Oh yeah, that's a replica. It's really cool." I think it would have been way cooler of them to say, "I found that." 
You know what I yeah. mean? Like it was a legit Batman Batarang that he happened to find because he's into he's he's got the Superman bullet. Hey, I found that Batman wasn't able to retrieve it after a battle or something. I just thought that would have made it just a little bit cooler. It's dumb for me to complain <laughs> about, but overall, this movie was fantastic. Like I loved it all the way through. Yeah, that is that is a weird complaint because I feel like it. Either way, I wouldn't have minded either way. I think. When you look at it, if it was a real Batarang, it would mean that probably a cop or somebody was uh, raiding a crime scene and selling <laughs> like police uh, evidence that they probably should well, have. Well, there's, uh, there's a comic that I read a while back where Batman made a comment about sometimes he's not, he always tries to retrieve the Batarangs after use, and sometimes he's not always able to retrieve them. So knowing that, and I know it's the fact that I have that knowledge to make my point, but knowing that that's discussed in a comic book somewhere, I thought it'd be cool that that was a legit Batarang that he found after some battle with a villain. Right. You know, like, hey, we found out Batman was in Philadelphia and he was dealing with this villain and I went looking around and I found a Batarang. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that, that's just. The idea of that's just cool. So, oh, overall, I really like it. <laughs> right on. Uh, did you watch anything else, or is it just Game of Thrones and Shazam? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, actually, I did want to give a quick shout-out to... Um, so, I really like... Um, have you ever watched, like, Monster Quest on Sci-Fi and, like, those goofy shows, like the Bigfoot hunting shows? Oh, no. Like well, that? I mean, I've caught things here and <laughs> yeah. there, but not really so, watch, watch. So I, I enjoy those off and on, and I found this show on Netflix called uh, Myths and Monsters, and the description of it made it sound like it was going to be like Monster Quest. It sounded like you were going to be following like a crew that's like, oh, we're going to go into uh, the backwoods of this country and search for <laughs> dragons and stuff. So I just turned it on just to kill time. And uh, it ended up being like a really cool documentary series that what it was really doing was breaking down um, the concepts of different myths and uh, different well-known monsters and stuff like that and uh it was just kind of a really cool documentary that ultimately was about storytelling so if you're looking for something in that vein to have in the background i definitely recommend it i know you would probably enjoy it because both of us appreciate just the art of storytelling a lot so right. i'd definitely say check it out the other cool thing is throughout the whole show they have really awesome uh fantasy art that's just kind of like every shot like they have all these like not every shot, but they have all these awesome just fantasy paintings like all over the place in that sure. show. So, yeah. Well, I have one more thing on my watch category. I'm actually going to save it for later, and we'll talk about <laughs> it later when I get to a point. It's okay. Just a, it's just a good segue piece, but I want to save some stuff for later on. So, uh, first, let's hit some news. Uh, there's going to be some things, um, a couple pieces of these news we can go through real quick. And, uh, well, one piece we can go through real quick, and then the rest have some detail to them. So, point out your stuff. So, let's start with Marvel. Endgame, we are moments away from Endgame. It is, at the time of this recording, April 14th. April 14th? April 18th. My bad. Um, we're moments away from Endgame. We're so close. It's right there. It's in our grasp. Um, Marvel has said they will not release future plans until after Spider-Man Far From Home releases. Okay, I so, think this is cool. So even though Endgame's coming, we're going to be in the dark until after Spider-Man Spider Far From Home comes out. Yeah. Which is great. I like it. It reminds me of uh, Phase 1. Like, I remember seeing um, The Incredible Hulk, and 
that post credit scene from that movie, I think, has uh, Thor's hammer in it. It's like yeah. Agent Coulson and Shield and uh, Sam Jackson are uh, you know Nick Fury are find it are looking at uh, Thor's hammer. And I mean, maybe it was out on the internet, but before then, I didn't really know what was the next movie, and that was like my way of finding out. And as far as I know, we didn't really know what was coming out after that. We just kind of knew like, okay, right. this is the next one they're doing. So I kind of like the, just having the mystery of it all. I think when you have this huge like 20 year plan that shows exactly when each movie is going to come out, it kind of ruins some of the mystery for me. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, I just thought it was cool that we're going to get it. It's almost like we're going to get this interesting little break mm-hmm. from Marvel to find out what's really going on. So, um, I just thought that I just wanted to point that out, and I thought that was cool. Right. Um, so now let's talk about Disney and their Disney Plus app. All right. Okay, because there's a bunch of news that fall in line okay. with Disney Plus. <laughs> so first off, um, I'm gonna take a brief pause uh, for Disney Plus. Where is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So first, um, Bob Iger. Um, might be, looks like he's potential. Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, looks like he's going to potentially be stepping down as CEO in 2021. Um, this is, I read through some of the quotes um, that he had. It's, it's really interesting because they're not very, they're very vague. So right now he's saying that, um, so Bob Iger made some quotes that I just thought were bizarre. I know I'm kind of fumbling over my words right now, but it's just kind of it's just kind of interesting to hear him say some of this. So this is going to roll into our Star Wars celebration news. So they said that Bob Iger said that the Star Wars movies after Episode Nine are going to go on a brief hiatus. We've not announced any specific plans for more movies thereafter. There are more movies in development, but we haven't announced them yet. We know there's more movies. We know the guys from mm-hmm. Game of Thrones are working on a trilogy. We know Ryan Johnson's working on a trilogy, but they're keeping it quiet because they're going to go on a hiatus. He says that we will take a pause sometime and reset. Now, I don't know if reset means reboot. Mm-hmm. What I think, he, what he think he means by that is we're going to let this saga end and we're going to figure out where we are. We're going to see how the fans react. We're going to get everything going. And then we're going to start telling Star Wars stories again. But when you think about how Episode 8 was received, they Episode 8 was written before the fans reacted to Episode 7. So no one knew how the fans were going to react to Snoke and Rey and Kylo and all that stuff. Yeah. And then Episode 8 came out and they're like, that's not what we wanted. Because they had no idea what fans were in for or how they were reacting or anything. Yeah. The script was... Penderly. I think the reset means we're going to take a moment to see how it all plays out, and then we're going to s- assess the situation and then give you guys new Star Wars. Stuff. I think I think that's good too because it makes it gives the fandom a chance to uh, build up a hunger for more Star Wars again. Right. It's not right. every year there's guaranteed to be a Star Wars movie. Like, the the word the word reset them. and the quote raised the same eyebrows that your face made when I said <laughs> that word, but I don't think yeah. that's what it is. I think it's more of a Let's let's take a beat and see where we're at and then pump them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says, because the Skywalker saga comes to an end with this ninth movie, there will be other Star Wars movies, but there will be a lot of but there will be a tiny bit of a hiatus. I'm totally okay with that. Let's take a couple years. 
let me as a fan digest the movie and process. Like, I was not done processing The Last Jedi when Solo came out. And then Solo came out, and I wasn't done processing that when I was, like, in my mind, I'm like, but wait, I still need to go. Like, I just yeah. felt like I was torn in too many directions too fast. So I appreciate that. Um, what do you think about, because a lot of people have uh, criticized, and I don't know if it's true, but based on what certain directors and stuff have said, it sounded kind of like J.J. Abrams did Force Awakens and then just kind of handed the reins off to Ryan Johnson to do The Last Jedi, and then Ryan Johnson kind of did what he wanted, and then it went back to J.J. Abrams, but it sounded like there wasn't a big structure they were being held to, you know what I mean? And I wonder if them taking this pause to reset, they're realizing they need more of a structure with future films. If, does that make sense to you? Uh, maybe, but I'm going to come back to that. Well, because like we all have seen like, the success of Marvel, and with Marvel you have uh, Kevin Feige, or however you say his name, is kind of the guy making sure everything stays in place, like... Directors have their freedom to a point, but you still have to stay within this yeah. structure. Um, and I don't know if they had that for the me, Star Wars movies when they let first Let me put started it this them. way, to not make a spoiler. Uh, well, kind of a spoiler. If you, if you listen to the opening of this episode and you heard the audio for the trailer for episode 9, there is a sound effect at the end of the trailer right before they air the title. Yes. That has been confirmed that that's real... And it's been confirmed by Kathleen Kennedy that that was the plan all along when they did Episode 7. So that says to me that there always was a structure. But what I think happened was Ryan Johnson, when he wrote Episode 8, they finished it. He worked with Abrams a little bit to figure out the segue between movies. And then Ryan Johnson told the story that they needed to tell to get them to a point. For they so they can do episode nine. Yeah. So I think there was a structure on a level, but I think there was a little freedom handed to Ryan Johnson. Okay. I mean, I there can was see, enough freedom for Ryan Johnson to do what he wanted. I can see why but, you you say that, but then I also see like Kathleen Kennedy might say that in hindsight because she knows it looks good. And she, it very well yeah, so. she very well could have. She very well could have. But we, I do know. And this was also confirmed. We're bouncing around with the Disney slash Star right. Wars news, but it's all kind of the same thing right now. We are, um, and we're going to come back to this, but apparently George Lucas sat down with Abrams to discuss all the plot stuff for episode nine. So, and uh, that that says to me, that says big things to me in terms of that was always the plan. Mm -hmm. So I don't. We don't really know what George when he sold the company because he was already working on Force Awakens. Like, that movie was well into pre-production before they sold to Disney. So mm -hmm. Disney picked up the reins from already in process Force Awakens. Yeah. So that says to me that George had a little bit of hand in things. So if Abrams is jumping back on the director's chair, he's like, well, I need to talk to George before I do anything. So that's what that says to me. Um, I like so that. So Bob Iger is apparently going to step down from CEO in uh, 2021. Um, I kind of... I hate to see Iger go because he's done so many good things for Disney, and but you know, it's, life happens and you gotta do what's right for you. So Bob Iger, if you're really stepping down, I salute you. Thank you for everything you did. But so people understand some of the things that he oversaw, 
Bob Iger, and I, I kind of did some research, he oversaw the acquisition of Pixar in 2006, which was a $7.4 billion acquisition. He oversaw the, buy, the selling of Marvel Entertainment as a whole in 2009 for $4 billion. And he oversaw the Lucasfilm uh, acquisition in 2012 for $4.6 billion. Like, Bob Iger was around for all of those yeah. acquisitions, pulling into Disney, and now he oversaw the Fox acquisition for $71.5 billion, I think it was. I mean, it's right. It's huge. <laughs> it's it's mind blowing to me that Pixar cost them more than Star Wars and Marvel. Well, almost as much as them combined, which right. is crazy. Pixar. There was a. There is a little bit of stuff with Pixar in terms of. I, I guess there was some legal situations early Pixar where like Disney was trying to claim them as them, but they were like, no, 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 we're an independent company still. You don't <laughs> yeah. own us. You know, I get. I don't really know the full story, but from what I had heard. That's kind of like what happened. Mm. Anyway, so with that being said, they're launching Disney Plus at the end of the year. Okay, Disney Plus releases November 12th. Confirmed. It will be $6.99 a month. Confirmed. That is amazing. <laughs> uh, so good on Disney. Mm. Um, so here are some Disney Plus apps, uh, stats for you. All of the Disney movies will be on um, the Disney app. By um, all of them. All. Um, that includes everything in the vault. The You know what the Disney vault mm -hmm. is? Yeah. Okay, the rotation of the films. So the entire vault will be released on Disney+. Plus. So there is no more vault. They're taking it completely away. Everything will be there to watch. And there's some old films. Yeah. That, like, I mean, it's, it's almost like where do I start, to be completely honest. Uh, Star Wars The Mandalorian uh, will be... Available at launch, the television series uh, that they're doing, the live action show, the Falcon and Winter uh, and Winter Soldier show, which the logo has been revealed. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, I think um, I saw it. Uh, that'll be uh, premiered later in the year after launch, and um, Disney Plus will also be available on Xbox One, PS4, and Nintendo Switch, and the whole service will be ad free. Awesome. Nice. Now. The, the um, way that paid subscription services should, should be. Should be, right? <laughs> I'm pointing my finger at you, Hulu. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all the Star Wars films will be on there by the end of the year 2020. Now, the reason they're not going to be on immediately is because uh, like Time Warner bought a contract for broadcast rights on standard television. Mm -hmm. So they can run it. So like, like 4th of July comes and they just want to start yeah. on Star Wars all weekend. So the idea is, is that when the contracts end, they'll be like linking up. So eventually, all the films will be there, uh, and the same goes for Marvel. So all the film, most of the films will be there right away. But like, at, like a couple channels have, even yeah. though Disney's going to own FX, FX still has contractual obligations to air those on broadcast television. So until the contracts end, Disney Plus will have very, and then it'll, the whole library will eventually be there. Yeah. So. Amazing, and we're just going to get more information as Disney's going. Um, so I just thought that was awesome. Yeah, sounds pretty sweet. <laughs> so um, let's since we're already talking about Star Wars and stuff, let's talk about some Star Wars celebration stuff. Sounds great. Uh, we're going to get to the trailer in a moment. Um, so Peter and I um, being so I don't know about you. 
but there's a podcast called Rebel Force Radio. I assume you listen because you oh, went yeah. to the event with me. So, guys, Jason, Jimmy from Rebel Force Radio, if you're listening, um, I just wanted to say thank you guys for what you do, but thanks for the show you guys did the uh, this uh, Thursday of Star Wars Celebration. Um, they had a live show down in downtown Chicago at uh, Reggie's, and uh, we went. It was awesome. It was a great live show. Um, and, you know, it was really cool to see... One, to watch these guys, because we've been listening to them for so long. We're fans. But it was also kind of cool to just be in the environment with the Star Wars Definitely. crowd. With the Star Wars crowd. That was probably the coolest part, to just be around like, like-minded people. And all we want to do is talk about the thing we love. Even when negative comments came up, everyone was still like, but I love it. Yeah. Like, even yeah, if definitely. something negative was said, they're just like, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that, but I still love it. Like, you know, we know Star Wars isn't perfect. Yeah. But in our heads and in our hearts, Star Wars is perfect. Um, so, uh, did you have anything to say about that, like, um, since you were there? I mean, it was great. Like, uh, first of all, Reggie's, I've never been there, but I actually heard some bad things about that bar before going. I thought it was awesome. Like... Service was good. It was a really cool environment. Um, I went to the bathroom twice during the show, and I could still hear everything that was going on, <laughs> just because of uh, thin walls of the background or of the bathroom. But totally worked out for me. Um, another thing is uh, the show. I just thought it was really good. Um, thing about Rebel Force Radio is they do a really good job having a lot of variety on their podcast, and uh, this show especially was the same thing. Like they had a wide variety of guests from people who are not very big star wars fans to people who are in star wars to you know massive fans as well as a uh, couple musical numbers involved too right. so it was just definitely it was a awesome. good show but it yeah. put me in the mindset for man so it's star wars celebration this is awesome mm-hmm. so with that being said i couldn't go to star wars celebration friday or saturday you couldn't go at all right? yeah all right so this brings me to my next piece of watching category. So while we're at the Rebel Force Radio event, I basically get a text from a friend that says, hey, uh, long story, but I have an extra ticket to Star Wars Celebration on Sunday. Do you want to go? Absolutely. Because in terms of how things played out, I wasn't going to get a chance to go. Um, so you jump at the chance. And if you don't know, Star Wars Celebration bounces around. It's not all the time. Sometimes it's every other year. It's not It's it's not like it's not like Comic-Con where you go to Comic-Con in San Diego and then Chicago has a Comic-Con and mm-hmm. New York has a Comic-Con. This is, it's in Anaheim. The next time they do it, it's going to be in Orlando. The next time they do it, it's going to be in Tokyo. Yeah. Then they're going to do London. It's all over the place and it's never, you know, and they happen to pick Chicago, our backyard. So... Friday, I sat down, and I had the day off, and I was sitting there. I'm like, well, I can't go to Celebration, so I'm going to bring Celebration to me. So I hooked the computer up to the big TV in my living room awesome. and streamed StarWars.com all day. <laughs> so I got to see the trailer. You know, I got to watch the trailer. I got to watch some of the panels. It was fantastic. Then, um, but when the con ended for the day and I just was doing stuff around the house and I'd watch the TV here and there and catch pieces. Yeah. I realized that this is the 20th anniversary of Star Wars Episode 1 The Phantom Menace. Interesting. It didn't, yeah, I didn't even it, think it didn't about even, that. It didn't even strike me as the 20th year. I didn't <laughs> even I wasn't even paying attention to it. The fact that it's the 20th anniversary of that movie. Yeah. So and you know the first Star Wars celebration happened the year that movie came out and I should have like pieced that together like hey this is 20 mm-hmm. years of Star Wars celebration. Um so with that said, I, when the con 
time for the con to wind down for the day, I turned on Star Wars Episode One and watched it intently. Mm-hmm. I've seen the movie like 500 times. I intently watched <laughs> yeah. the movie, and it was fantastic. Um, so I was I was really like, this is great, and just loving every minute of it. Yeah. Just remembered all the fun I had with the movie before, and just really focusing on things, and you know, just trying to almost like I was watching with fresh eyes. Nice. Now, did you notice anything new? Because I know that's like every time you watch Star Wars, you notice I always something new. I always notice something new, but it's always weird. Like for example, there was a bolt on C three PO's. Uh, body that I'd never noticed before (laughs) and and I couldn't stop staring at it every time he was on screen and that's weird for me to I feel it's weird for me to mention that tiny little detail but like I'm like has that always been there like (laughs) you know so it stuff like that like it doesn't no matter how minute it is I always see something new and that one's a rough one for that movie because 3PO is kind of like not all together but I still noticed it and I thought it was interesting I'm Mm -hmm. like oh hey I never noticed that before and then uh, you bringing this up just reminds me that's like 20 years that I've been loving Darth Maul oh. the whole time. So. <laughs> right. Well, Saturday I had to work. I couldn't really focus on Star Wars stuff. But Sunday I got to go to Celebration. Um, this this is, I'm really curious about this, by the way. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So, uh, we will, uh, so I'm going to kind of give you my big Celebration story because this – I've been going to conventions for a really long time. But Star Wars is like one of my first loves, and this is Star Wars has been a constant in my life. It's been there. The, it's been there for so. It's been there for so much of my life that I, I feel like I've always wanted to go to Celebration because I've always wanted to be at the party. So this was my first time going, and I at, oh, and I walked into the convention and I felt like a fish out of water. I didn't know where to look first. I didn't know what to do first. I didn't know like. I, it was almost like I was like I don't even know the lay of the land. I don't know where panels are. So I don't know it where felt stages like the are. First time you ever went to a it convention, almost felt probably, like the yeah. first time I was going to a convention. Even though like I should be a seasoned veteran at going to conventions, it was it was the weirdest feeling to just walk in there and just be like, whoa, where do I go? Mm-hmm. Um, small minor criticism. I expected the show floor to be a little bigger, but that's completely irrelevant because the way they used McCormick Place. There were multiple levels. They had the main exhibit floor, but then they had this level had these panels on it, and this building had these okay. panels in it. Like you really had to traverse the space. So it was, it actually was much larger than I thought. Um, so I walk in. I don't know where to go. I'm just kind of looking at stuff, and I see things gathering. Um, now the panels, the big ones, you had to like get, you had to win the lottery to get in the panels. They had a lottery going for all the seats at the main for the main stage. But if you couldn't make the main stage panels, they had overflow locations so you could still attend. Um, But I was, like, fresh in the door looking at the show floor, and I noticed people were um, gathering at the live stage. So I'm like, something's going to happen. They're either bringing out a guest for an interview or what. I really wasn't sure. So I figured I'd just hang with the crowd. And I'm hanging with the crowd um, at the live stage and I pull up my phone. I'm like, what's about to happen? Looking at the app and I'm like, Oh, the Mandalorian panel is t- about to start. So, uh, the Mandalorian panel starts and that's what comes on the screen. They had a guy come out just kind of warming up the crowd. And then he's like, here we go. The Mandalorian panel. So enjoy. And then, so John Favreau, Dave Filoni, like the cast comes out, they're talking about the, they're talking about the show, showing some still images um, if you've poked around online, you've seen still images, mm-hmm. um, which, every, oh man, it just looks great. And like, 
listening to uh, Pedro Pascal talk about the character and like the fact like his like it's it's very clear that this guy loves Star Wars and they chose a they chose a fantastic actor to play the That's character. Awesome. It's 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 so heartwarming to hear him talk about it because I mean you don't know sometimes. You know, sometimes actors get cast in roles and they're not how many times have we heard an actor get cast for a superhero role and wasn't into comic books, but they had to do all this research Yeah, where this guy's like, I love Star Wars, and he tells a story about seeing visuals, and they want to talk about Star Wars, and he's like, who am I playing? Am I playing that like weird alien thing? And they're like, <laughs> no, you're the Mandalorian. You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? Like, so it was really nice to hear that. This was my favorite part because I've heard stories about getting con exclusives and seeing stuff for real um in the con and you're the only one allowed to see it but i've never been a part of that moment yeah so uh favreau is on stage and he's talking about how he felt he needed to bring a clip to show everybody and then he says i feel bad for the people sitting at home viewing this on starwars.com because your screen's gonna go black for about four minutes and then i because i was like kind of an overflow location i was like well that sucks and then this guy comes running on stage he goes no 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 this is for you guys. It's just the people at home. You get to see it too. Oh, nice. So let me just say that I've seen things. Yeah. And wow. Amazing. I am so impressed with what they're doing with this clip. And That's the clip, awesome. it didn't have a lot of, I don't want to say it had a lot of action because it was half trailer, half production. So it showed some really cool like trailer stuff. And then they were showing behind the scenes, like, building sets and putting okay. aliens in place. And you see, like, a stormtrooper, like, with his helmet off because they're just placing him in a shot, getting ready yeah. to shoot something. And it was really, so, really cool. Um, just, like, cinematography, special effects, that department, does it look movie quality? Absolutely. That is awesome. Absolutely. My other they question... They threw a lot of money at this. My other question is, do you get to see any cool puppets or creatures or anything like that? So, it's very clear that they're using CGI for a couple aliens, but I, I'm pretty sure some of the aliens you saw were puppetry and practical effects. And nice. they talked heavily about they wanted to do... Because nowadays, when you do space stuff, it's all CGI. You just create the ship in the CGI environment. You do like, And you're basically yeah. watching a, a computer-generate video game cutscene with spaceships now. But Favreau and Dave Filoni were talking about how they wanted to go back to the old school model making aspect. So they showed clips of like, here's a model of the ship on the wire and they would do the camera passes and they would show you how the camera passes work from different angles. So you can nice. see the fly away from the camera and you can see the fly towards the camera and the ship's not moving, the camera's moving and they showed you the rig they had to build for some of yeah. this stuff. And Wow. That's that's like, great too cuz uh I feel like the 70s uh sci-fi like aesthetic that I think Star Wars kind of established, but it's such a big part of what Star Wars is. And I don't know if that makes sense, but you watch Star Wars and there's so many um creatures that are humanoid as far as their body is um just because that's what they had back then they had a guy wearing a suit and a right. mask so they still had four four limbs and stuff like that and uh you compare it to some of the newer movies that you know some of these movies have great creature designs and ships but there still isn't that sort of practical background to them or yeah, under yeah. structure so it's awesome to see them like keep that aesthetic going forward even in the show yeah, so and i'm I'm so like, 
the Mandalorians have all, I've always thought they were cool, cool looking and all that stuff. And I, the Mandalorian culture I always felt was kind of bogged down by Boba Fett a little bit. Yeah. Um, even though like the Clone Wars dived heavily into the Clone Wars culture and that the, the Clone Wars delved heavily into the Mandalorian culture, I mean, and Rebels dived into that a little bit too. This show has got me so like into the possibility that the Mandalorians really are and or can be. Mm-hmm. So like I'm real, real excited nice. for it. That's awesome. Um after the panel left, um I walked around the show floor, saw some cool stuff. I mean, standard convention stuff. Um, I'm not a member of the Rancho Obi-Wan, but I was able to walk past and I could see some things just from walking past the booth. Cause you couldn't go into that booth unless yeah. you were a member. Um, but Rancho Obi-Wan had some really cool things on display. There was some cool art stuff. There was an Alex Ross booth because he did some Star Wars pieces. Cool. So like they had some Alex Ross stuff on display. Yeah. Um, there was an auction booth that was really cool because they had some screen-used props nice. um, to show you. And they had a Stormtrooper helmet, and I was like, that's interesting. They have a Stormtrooper helmet that's screen-used, but they had the image of which Stormtrooper it was and where it, like, and they were showing off the specifics. You can tell it's this helmet because of, <laughs> okay. the, you know, that nice. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then leaving the show floor, I, was, I looked at the clock, and I'm like, oh, the Clone Wars panel is about to start. I want to go see the, forgetting that that's coming. Back. I want to go yeah. ride the Clone Wars. <laughs> Clone Wars, twelve more. The final twelve episodes are going to be on the Disney Plus app. Uh, so the Clone Wars panel is coming up, and I'm like, ooh, I want to go to that. I'm on my way to the Clone Wars panel, and coming up the escalator as I'm getting ready to go to it, um, I pass Teresa Delgado from uh, Disney Vault Talk podcast or Star Wars Bookworms. Okay. If you listen to that, um, it was really cool. She's I'm a fan of hers. Uh, we stopped. Her and I chatted a little bit. It was awesome. So, Teresa, if you're listening, uh, it was a pleasure to meet you, um, and I hope your celebration was great. Uh, so we chatted a little bit, and then I continued on to um, the Clone Wars panel. So we go to the Clone Wars panel. Um, I showed you this sweet poster of Ahsoka um, that we got. They gave us this yeah, amazing yeah. poster of Ahsoka um, for just attending. But the Clone Wars panel, they brought out the cast. Dave Filoni, the cast of Clone Wars, they talked about the show. They showed clip after clip after clip and then ran a full trailer. And again, wow. Like it was it was fantastic. Just mm-hmm. watching. So first off, the couple clips they showed were great. And then they showed one clip that was not fully rendered yet. Yeah. Because they hadn't finished the rendering on it. But the image what we got to see and how it played out. I mean, it was real close to finished. It just didn't have the final renderings yeah. on it. But it's cool to see that stuff, too. It's Yeah, I like seeing stuff with the red tape pulled away a little bit yeah. sometimes. Uh, but then the trailer was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, one of the things, if you if you're fo- if you follow Clone Wars or whatever, you know Darth Maul is a part of the story. Uh, they talk... Uh, Sam Witwer was there who voices Darth Maul, and he was talking about... Of this big story arc that's going to be happening in this series with Darth Maul about the siege of Mandalore. Um, that's not a. That, I don't consider that a spoiler to say, because <laughs> right. that's something that's always been on the forefront of. We never got to do this, mm-hmm. and we're going to finally get it. So we're going to get the siege of Mandalore and what that story is. They wouldn't really want it. They didn't want to talk about it at all. But this is what's cool. Dave Filoni said that they were there's a big lightsaber duel with Darth Maul coming up in the Siege of Mandalore story. So, again, I don't consider this a spoiler because of the behind-the-scenes thing Dave Filoni told us. They felt if they were going to do a scene with Darth Maul 
of the caliber that they're doing. They want it to be the real Darth Maul. Okay. So they got Ray Park, okay. who played Darth Maul in Episode One: Phantom Menace, put on a motion capture suit and recorded all of his <laughs> movements. So when you see Clone Wars, the Siege of Mandalore story arc, the lightsaber battling with Darth Maul is actually Darth Maul. That's great. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> like I'm so I'm so excited to see this. <laughs> um, and in the trailer, we got the tiniest clip of it. It was so quick, like blink of an eye quick. So it wasn't <laughs> enough to really like see it, but it was nice. enough to wet my whistle. It'll be cool to see how, because I don't know if they use mocap a lot on Clone Wars. I'm assuming they probably don't. So it'll be interesting to see how his movements look compared to the other characters and right, stuff right, right. like that. But uh, Well, yeah. then uh, the Clone Wars panel ended, and I went back up to the show floor. I'm doing another pass. Like, is there anything I want to buy? Is, you know, that kind of thing purchase-wise. And I was really I was really good. I bought a Black Series figure and a lanyard. I didn't spend an ungodly amount of money like yeah. I probably could have. Um, but I ran into Jason and Jimmy from Rebel Force Radio again on the show cool. floor. We chatted. We actually hung and walked and talked a little bit, oh, talked nice. about things we buy. Um, Jimmy was saying he was looking to get a TIE fighter. I wonder if you did. It was a very <laughs> expensive vintage TIE fighter. But um, So it was kind of cool to hang with those guys for a little bit. But while I was hanging with them and Jason and I were talking, this is the part that struck me as funny. And it was probably one of the coolest things I got to see all weekend because I've heard rumors about this. But I've never seen it in real life. They always talk about celebrities wanting to walk the show floor, but they don't want to draw attention to themselves. So they'll try and they'll put on like a mask or a uniform or something like that. So if you see someone cosplaying at a convention, there's a good chance they're potentially a celebrity just walking through the crowd. Yeah. I've always heard rumors oh, yeah, of this. Yeah. So I'm talking with Jason from Rebel Force Radio. We're talking about collecting, talking about an action figure, whatever. And then this guy, black jeans, black t-shirt, whatever, stormtrooper helmet on, just kind of nudges Jason to get his attention. Jason turns, and and the guy lifts the helmet up just enough and, and says, hey, man, how's it going? I just wanted to say what's up. It was Matt Lanter from The Clone Wars. <laughs> That's great. Um, That's awesome. Jason and Matt know each other. <laughs> so it was a very quick, like, you know, you know, hey, man, how's it going? I just wanted to see you. And then he's like, well, I got to go. I'll see you later. I'm glad you're having a good celebration. Puts the helmet back over his face and disappears into the crowd. I thought that was fantastic only because I've always heard rumors that it happens, oh, yeah. but I've never seen it. Yeah, I'd love to see that in real life. <laughs> so um, it was that was really cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, eventually I went home. It was just a great. Mm-hmm. It was just a great experience. Um, um, do you care if I do have a couple questions? Fire I'm away! So man. curious because. Uh, Star Wars Celebration is a one-franchise-specific convention. Yeah. So when you say cl- uh, the show floor, is it... Okay, so I'm, there's obviously merchants out there. Every single thing there is Star Wars? It's or all do you Star still... Wars. Well, there was a t-shirt booth that had some superhero shirts on it. Okay, but, but it's, for the most part, all Star it's Wars. It's for the uh, most part, all Star Wars. That's so interesting to me. So I, I'm wondering if it's just, like, the people who are who have the booths, I'm wondering if they're, like comic shops and stuff like the same people from comic-con but they only would, bring their star Wars i would think stuff. there's a degree of that yeah um my other question is is there an artist alley at all at this kind convention? of they have like a star wars art show okay um so it's not i don't it's kind of like an artist alley sort of a thing but it's more professional art 
Okay. It's depending. probably more of a gallery thing where yeah. there's art on display and you can buy it if you actually yeah. want to, but okay. At least that's what it looked like. I kind of walked through it. There were some really cool pieces. But it's not the madness of walking through Artist Alley booths yeah, yeah, yeah. and people yelling at yeah, you. They like, did hey, want to buy my comic? They did have stuff. a very large uh, 500, 501st area. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if you've been to like C2E2 or something like that, they always have a 501st section where they've got some sets set up so you can maybe sit in the Emperor's Throne and take a picture mm-hmm. or they have the droid builders. This was a uh, this was a very large section with actually scenes set up. So they had Jabba's throne room. They had the Emperor's throne oh, room. That's so they cool. had like these different things so you could actually walk through and like you could sit down in a chair and get your picture taken in this setting or whatever. Yeah. And they had people dressed in costume on hand so if you wanted to take a picture with some stormtroopers you could or whatever. Yeah. But aside from that they actually had costumes on display. So you could actually see some of the like intricate detail, the sh- costumes and stuff in that area. So it was kind of like this big like cool walk around. It was that's great because that's like something, especially like the uh, displays that are essentially big dioramas that you go to to get your picture taken. I almost just want to go there to walk through them and be like, Haha, I'm in, you know, I'm in Chava's Palace right, right, right now. Um, <laughs> um, oh, keep going. No, yeah, no, go ahead. Um, okay, so here's my next question because I like I'm still really curious about this. Uh, cosplay wise, is it was every, all Star Wars? Everyone there is Star everyone Wars. Star okay. Wars. There's no random Star Trek characters. There's um, no red. There was a there was a Star Wars ver- there was a Star Wars version of Buzz, sorry Woody mm-hmm. and Bo Peep from Toy Story. Okay, which I thought was kind of funny. And there was a stormtrooper that was done all his colors and everything. He was basically the Michigan State Star uh, Stormtrooper. Okay. (laughs) You know, so there was a little bit of creativity with that, but it was all Star Wars. Okay. And then uh, the last question I had. So I remember one time... Wait, hold on. There there was a couple Star Wars... There was some cosplay that made me do a double take because they were patrons at the casino from Canto Bite. Oh, nice. Which I... That struck me as, whoa, hold on. Where (laughs) do I know them from? Yeah. And then there was a couple cosplay people that I saw with costumes from the nightclub uh from episode two okay that i you Just you wouldn't you wouldn't catch cuts yeah deep cuts like you had to like it was almost like wait where are they from oh yeah they're from that you know so right on um and then the last thing is i remember uh perusing youtube once a couple years ago and i saw a clip from a different star wars celebration where a bunch of people randomly gathered around and watched a small group of people with replica lightsabers get into like a pretty cool duel. Yep. So I was curious, did you see any random duels while you're walking uh, around? Not and... random duels like on okay. the show floor, but they actually had an area where they had cosplay people putting on like almost like little plays like on okay. the stage with sort with lightsaber okay. dueling. Because the like one that. I saw was literally like in the lobby, like just a couple of people started dueling and then a huge group came around and I was like, that looks just so awesome. Yeah, so. I didn't I didn't see any of that and I could have just missed it. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, there's a really cool, there is um, post-celebration or one of the nights of celebration, I do know a very large group of people with lightsabers went down to the Bean in Chicago. And there's a photo online I saw of like all the lightsabers like up in the air and they're reflecting off the Bean and you know, cool. it's just that, that would have been a cool place to be at the time. But. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I think Millennium Park would be a good place to play swords or lightsabers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway, so. <laughs> <Right>, exactly. <laughs> um, so let's real quick talk about the Star Wars trailer, because we're running a little longer than normal. Okay, um, sounds great. So what do you think of the Star Wars trailer? We re- we aired the audio at the beginning of the show, so. Um, yeah, I, 
I guess I don't know what to think. Like I, th- so with Star Wars, I think this trailer kind of keeps going with what I think a lot of the other Star Wars trailers do, where they don't like they show some stuff, but they don't show enough to really give away huge spoilers. I know, I know. it's like and, just enough to get you like super excited. Yeah, exactly. Which, which thank thankfully that's the case. They they yeah. show you just enough to get you like yes, that's amazing. Yes, there's the ship I love. Yes, there's <laughs> the character I like doing the thing I like. So yeah. so it's I liked it. Like overall, I did like it a lot. I have some like interesting thoughts about different minute details here and there. Um, as a whole, I kind of feel like. So they have a voiceover um, that's done by Mark Hamill, correct? Yes, and that, that is Mark Hamill's voice. And that I feel like they're doing to kind of, I don't want to say correct the course, but get the, the Last Jedi uh, haters to come back to the saga. And they're saying... Oh no, Luke's Luke's not completely out of it. He's gonna be he's right. gonna be there. You better go see the movie. There is that, or it's a marketing thing. Yeah, and that that could be it the could case very too. just be marketing because I don't know if these lines are straight from the movie yet. None of us know. Mm-hmm. The the Mark Hamill lines in the trailer that um, you hear. I've talked about this on a previous episode about the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi trailers. How they had these lines of dialogue that were talking directly to the audience, not necessarily. Yeah, they're directed towards characters. Like in the Last Jedi, one of the lines of dialogue was Luke saying, "This is not going to go the way yeah. you think." And when you watch the movie, that is exactly what happens. Um, so you know, the Chewie were home line. They were talking to the audience. Yeah, like we're back. Welcome home. Like you're 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 home. Star Wars is back. Like there were these great there were these great moments of that in those trailers they always used. And like the opening of the Last Jedi trailer, you just hear like we're all sit like I know when that trailer started for me, I was at the edge of my seat, not sure what I was gonna see, and then the first thing I hear is Luke saying, Breathe. Just breathe. And that's so cool because he yeah, sure. Is he talking to a character in the movie? Whatever. He's talking to me. Mm-hmm. breathe this trailer the same thing happened the first thing you hear is um it's uh what's the first line of dialogue he says uh we've passed on all that we can teach you or something like that again talking to me do you know what i mean we've passed on all right. of, we've passed this on we're always going to be with like and there's a line in there he goes we will always be with you no one's ever really gone. Like, all this, like, the lines of dialogue, if you listen to it, it's clearly directed to the audience. Mm-hmm. Which, again, just smart marketing, but it's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I'm just excited. There's so much in there. Um, I love the title, by the way. Um, I know someone who sent me a text and is very angry about the title and they're not happy about the title. Interesting. Um, I'm lukewarm on the title. No pun intended. No, nope, uh... it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um... I know there's theories about the title. I don't know if you want to get into those or not, um, but... I don't want to get too heavily because we're running longer than I thought we were going to be. Oh, come on. Ah, how about this? <laughs> I don't... Well, this is what's really cool about the title. One, I thought it was going to be The Balance of the Force. Okay. Okay, I think a lot of people were expecting Balance of the Force. But if you tell me the title is The Balance of the Force, then we're all going to go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But they said the title is going to be The Rise of Skywalker. Now... We are going to be debating the rise of Skywalker and what that title means yes. for the next six to seven months while That's we true. wait for the movie. So, so in marketing terms, that is the most brilliant title you could ever come up with. 
because I, I'm. It's going to be the conversation for the next seven months. I can keep my uh, feelings really short on this, depending on what they mean by Skywalker. Because you know, there's all these different theories about what <laughs> Skywalker means. Depending on what they mean, the title might not be grammatically correct, and that is the point where I will not like the title. Okay. Well, if that makes sense. Well. If it's a name, then it's if it's a person's name, then it's the way it is is gr- grammatically correct. If it is a kind of person, that is an not right, grammatically so correct. If you're not, if you're not with us, there's, there's, a, there's one theory I have. I think Luke Skywalker's coming back. I think this is a path to immortality, and Luke will be the first Force resurrection, and we will finally get to learn what Obi Wan Kenobi meant when he said, "If you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine." And after all the and after forty years, we will finally find out what that line of dialogue means. I think Luke's coming back. He will be the first Force Resurrection. Okay, I like However, that. because, and I've said this in the past in other Star Wars conversations, we're not dealing with Jedi versus Sith in this sequel trilogy. This is something new. These are new manifestations. Kylo Ren is never referred to as a Sith. Snoke is never referred to as a Sith. Rey is never referred to as a Jedi. Sort of. But if we're dealing with these new Force users, that would make Luke truly the last Jedi as the title of the movie since it was about him anyway. Because Mm -hmm. Yoda said, you will be the last Jedi. The opening crawl of Episode 7 said, you will be the last Jedi. And then Luke, when he passes away, says, I will not be the last Jedi. But at the end of the movie, there are none. So Luke is the last Jedi. Now, the theory you're talking about is that, and I really like this because I was thinking about it, is that the next group of Force users, are the next group is no longer considered, they're not calling themselves Jedis, they call themselves Skywalkers. And I like that too. Which I really like. But if that's the case, the title grammatically is incorrect. Right. But the, ri- <laughs> but the rise, but the rise of the Skywalker order. See, that was grammatically correct. Right, but they just <laughs> didn't put order in the title. The Rise of Skywalker, meaning the order. So I... There's an article missing, too. The, <laughs> either way, I love the title, so I'm, right I am all on board. And I will say this before we... Do you have anything else? Do you oh, yeah. I mean, I've got tons of other things, but I want to say they do give a glimpse, whether that be audio, visual, whatever, they give a glimpse of... A character who might be coming back at the end of the trailer. I don't want to say who it is, mm-hmm. but oh man, I can't. <laughs> how about this? Okay. How about this? The audio clip at the end of the trailer. This is spoiler territory. They've confirmed that it's real. That character is for real. Okay, and there's a character at, at at the end of episode one, and if he could come back, then this other character could as well. True. That's all I have True. to say. So. What I was going to say is that <laughs> the end of the trailer, the audio the audio thing you hear at the end of the trailer that's been confirmed from J.J. Abrams that that's real, it's happening, which makes me even more excited. Right on. So, uh, with that being said, to close out my Star Wars celebration excitement, my fandom for Star Wars has never waned. It's always been there with me at all times. It, like I said, it's been a constant in my, my entire life. What Star Wars Celebration did is re-energize my love for the franchise well beyond what it already was. So, that was it. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, You ready to talk the list? (laughs) 
Not not necessarily, but we gotta get there. So. We gotta get there. Like we could be on Star like we could be on Star Wars for the rest of the yeah. night. But I don't wanna run too long. I know some people like the long episodes, but sometimes people want shorter ones. So <laughs> um Ryan, time to do the top five list. Here we go. For the top five. Okay, now, the list tonight comes from a, uh, this is a listener-supplied list. Uh, this is, so, uh, last year we did our top five favorite Marvel villains around Comic-Con time. Um, we haven't done DC villains because we're actually saving it for con season. Con season has begun, but a listener emailed us in, Henry. He wanted to, uh, he said we should do our DC villains. So uh, we're going to do our favorite DC villains tonight. So, uh, Peter, um, this takes place of my pick, actually. So uh, it's you get to tell me your yeah. first go-ahead. So, um, so this, is, this was a really hard list for me. Um, and, man, I feel like this could change. But when it comes down to it, these <laughs> are probably my top five favorite. I've got two honorable mentions. Uh, the first one I want to uh, bring up is Lobo. Um, I talked about him a bit when we talked about our favorite pop culture vehicles, but he just looks really cool. He's got cool powers. He's got a great personality. I mean, if I was a character in the DC Universe, Lobo would be definitely on my short list of coolest people to be. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, Lobo is a great character. I really like Lobo mm-hmm. um, in general. Um, I, um, I, I didn't like what they did with him in the New 52 um, but he's, I mean, he's just an intergalactic bounty hunter, um, yep. that basically has Wolverine's healing ability. So you basically can't kill him. Yep. <laughs> Superman's powers, but with Wolverine's healing ability. So, you know, um, so I have one honorable mention and that's Harley Quinn. Oh, great. Pick, but, yeah. but specifically Harley Quinn from the Batman animated series. Yeah, I that mean, is, that's the original. It's the original, and so it's not me being an original fan. It's me saying, like, I like that character the most. It's handled by Paul Dini and Bruce Tim, and the writing and creativity of that character. That's my favorite iteration. And I know Harley Quinn has taken a life of her own, and she's a fan favorite right now. I just feel like her character was always written the best back then. Mm-hmm. So that is a, that's a personal favorite. It has nothing to do with, like age of the character or not so i like too that she was definitely a villain in that iteration too and now she's kind of somewhere in between weird amalgamation she's so popular that dc wants to make her a hero but they shouldn't so yeah 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 um moving on to my next one i put brainiac so this is a hard one because brainiac's such a good character and like i wanted him in my top five but i just i think he only makes an honorable mention just because in a way, I feel like he's overused, where there's a lot of other great villains. And for a while, I felt like every like DC or Justice League story I was reading, Brainiac was like the big baddie like every time. And uh, I kind of just... I feel like they just need some more variety, you know, sometimes. Right. But. right. Um, well, that's, I only have one honorable mention, so this goes to you. Back to my list. Yes, yeah, so okay. your actual, your first of your picks. Yes. So, um... No surprise, I've got a lot of Superman villains on my list, but uh, my first one I wanted to mention is... Interesting. Why is that? Oh, no, I just... We I probably was, won't match very much. We're probably not going to match very much, but when you said that, because I'm a big Batman fan, you're a big Superman fan, I kind of went, like, how many Batman villains do I have on my list? <laughs> so go ahead. Um, so my first pick is Doomsday. Um, 
Doomsday is kind of... His character is not necessarily the deepest character. He's kind of a big guy who just wants to destroy and kill stuff, but that's kind of why in Smallville they tried to give him more of a personality and make him come from a, uh, you know, an actual human character instead of like a, uh, you know, alien science experiment pretty much. But I just think this character is awesome. I love that he, because... The death of Superman was such a big event back in the 90s. He is probably within the top five of, like, most recognizable DC villains. Like, everybody knows, like, Superman. They know Lex Luthor, and they know Doomsday for sure. And he's just kind of, like, that big name recognition. But I also just like his aesthetic. Like, he's this big, strong, like, monster-looking dude. So I don't yeah. know if you have any opinions on Doomsday. No, I've always, or... I've always liked Doomsday. He, when you go and read the Death of Superman story, it's that's a fantastic story arc. And you know, I read it when I was a kid when it came out, and it didn't strike like emotionally with me until I reread it as an adult. And yeah, wow, like mm-hmm. there's that's it, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, that's and, all I gotta say to that. That is that's and awesome. Doomsday kind of like he kind of lives up to his name in a way that he in that story he kind of represents like everything that like Superman's trying to protect people from and yeah, like yeah. everything his life has uh been for like built up to that one moment and like he might have uh spoilers for the death of Superman like Superman might have died protecting everybody but he did take Doomsday out at the same time and it's just it's awesome. Yeah. So. Um, well, my first pick is uh, Darkseid. Nice. Um, did we match on yes, this one? Yes, we actually did. We actually did. Okay. Um, I, to me, Darkseid is probably one of the coolest ultimate ultimate bad guys. Um, it, everything from his obsession with the uh, life equation, the Omega Beams. Like, oh, yeah. I was going to mention how, Omega Beams. Yeah, how you big and powerful this guy is. Um, his like hatred for Superman, like it's just he's one of the coolest villains, and which makes me irritated again that we didn't get Darkseid in the Justice League film like we should have. Thank you, <laughs> Joss Whedon. Um, but if you go back to like story arcs like the Supergirl, the Batman versus Superman, it's not Batman versus Superman, the world's finest story arc with Supergirl and Darkseid trying to mind control her and like right just so cool i think is what's the animated movie version it's of called that? apocalypse apocalypse yeah, yeah. that's what yeah it's just so amazing and dark side has these great bits and like he kills batman in uh in final crisis but it's not but what you find out later is it's not the actual mm-hmm. batman it's some it's a batman from another universe and it man they just did some um really cool things with him uh, another story arc that comes to mind is uh Rock of Ages, Justice League Rock of Ages, just a fantastic one with Darkseid as a villain. He's just one of those repeat villains that, like, you knock him down, but you know, like, there's no way, like, yeah. he's not coming back later. So, Well, the thing about Darkseid is he's so powerful, just, like, his individual strength. He is, like, he's a beast, but um, he's a space tyrant. Like, he yeah, has yeah. an army of people below him that he's you know, controlling parademons, but also he's got his higher-ups with Steppenwolf and all those other characters who are, like, doing his bidding. And uh, I just think, like, the one... You said so much about him that I don't... Oh, I can't, like, sorry. Match it, but no, but the one thing I want to leave you guys with is if you want to see how cool Darkseid is, watch Justice League War because uh, 
reading the new 52 comics, they showed this aspect of him too, but it really hit home for me in that movie where Darkseid is, uh, he's invaded the earth and he's kind of just wreaking habit, havoc. But what he's doing is he's kind of standing there with his arms behind his back and he's levitating through the air just in this regal position while his omega beams are like coming out of his eyes destroying stuff and it's just like this guy looks so chill he looks so cool <laughs> but he's like destroying the earth right. at the same time it's now, awesome here's the here's the part that bugs me about dark side as a villain is that he he um he, he, okay so jim starlin who created thanos directly admits to ripping off Darkseid and creating Thanos. Mm -hmm. And Darkseid could defeat Thanos. Like, there's a whole YouTube video on it, which is a really fun watch. It's about half an hour, but it's a really fun watch. But Darkseid could completely, like, take out Thanos' gauntlet and all. It wouldn't matter. Um, so it kind of bums me out that Thanos got to the screen before Darkseid did, because now when DC finally gets Darkseid to the big screen, yeah. people are going to go, what is this, a Thanos ripoff? Yeah. And then they're going to jump all over DC's throat again. But it's the other way around. DC had Darkseid first, and Jim Starlin actually admits to ripping him off. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, but no, Darkseid, uh, another really great Darkseid moment, and I love that this is probably one of my favorite moments. It comes from the Batman Superman World's Finest Supergirl story arc, which the animated film is called Apocalypse. But Batman, he goes to confront Darkseid on his own. Like, Superman and Wonder Woman, like, are there to help, but they're not there at this moment. Because Batman's been, like, MIA, no one knows where he is, and then he goes and confronts Darkseid on his own. And Darkseid has him, like, hand on his throat, dead to rights, Darkseid's going to win, completely kill Batman at this moment, and Batman tells him that he's got the entire planet rigged with Darkseid's own weapons, and he goes, if you kill me, the weapons are going to go off and the whole planet will be destroyed. And Darkseid goes, well played, human. And he even says, the Kryptonian, the Amazon, would not be willing to take this risk that you do. Well played. You know what I mean? It's just this cool, like... <laughs> Wow, like <laughs> fantastic! It was one. It's one of my favorite dark side moments, mm -hmm. just because he yielded to Batman because he knows Batman's willing <laughs> to take the risk, where Superman and Wonder Woman would not have risked the entire planet mm. <laughs> to stop him. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, Dark Side was my pick or your pick. So we matched there. Um, do you want to make that your next pick? Since yeah, that would be my next. next one. Okay, so my next one then is Sinestro. Okay. Did awesome. we match on this no, one? No, we actually didn't okay. match on this one. Uh, Sinestro's the, uh, he's basically the main villain for Green Lantern. Um, I've always been a Green Lantern fan. The, uh, the idea of the Green Lantern becoming evil and creating his own lantern-like army, um, it's, I, Sinestro's one of those really cool villains, like, I guess you'd say almost on a psychological level, because what drove him to be the villain, and then... He, I mean, he just hates Hal Jordan, but there's so many times that he has to team up with Hal Jordan to overcome the big obstacle. You know, when you read stuff like uh, Blackest Night and um, some of the newer New 52 stuff is really cool when those two have to kind of, they're, yeah. they're very, their butt heads go toe to toe, <laughs> but then they have to do something to like team up, but then they're back to being enemies <laughs> yeah, again. Definitely. He's and just, it's cool because they were on the same team at one point yeah. too, so... Uh, did you have anything you wanted to add about Darkseid? Or? or you mean Sinestro? Sinestro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, not necessarily. Okay. Um, like, I think he's really awesome, but 
I think uh, you're more steeped in the Green Lantern lore than I am, oh, so sure. I don't have okay. as strong of feelings towards Sinestro. But uh, yeah, he was played pick. by he was played by Mark Strong in the movie, mm-hmm. which I thought was really kind of cool when Mark Strong plays the villain and he plays Doctor Sylvania in Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> I never realized that. That's a good point. Yeah, and it's really interesting because he doesn't look like Mark Strong when he's Sinestro. Yeah, at all. they they did the but, makeup so well, and he just looked awesome in that Green Lantern. Whether you love the movie or hate it. Like, he looked great in that movie. Yeah. So. Yeah, very cool. So, what's your next pick? So, my next pick. Um, so, my favorite DC character is Superman. And uh, Superman, like, I, I don't want to like say I know anybody where this else, is going, but, but. <laughs> uh, Superman has his opposite, and that is the character Bizarro. So, oh, that's not I, I love Bizarro. He is a character who is both, like, badass but also really funny. I think every time I see him, just his visual brings a smile to my face because he's kind of just this like really enthusiastic like imperfect wannabe superman and i love it um i think his origin story like the original bizarro origin story is something like lex Luthor shot superman with a replicating ray and it created bizarro and he's had all these different iterations but i just my favorite version is the one from the uh uh, animated, Superman animated, animated series, yeah, yeah where that's, he's a imperfect clone who's trying to do the right thing, but, but he, he just just messes everything yeah, up. Yeah, that's misled. that is also my favorite iteration <laughs> of Bizarro. And Bizarro is just so fun too. Like uh, whenever you read the comic, uh, whenever you read Superman comics, and he shows up and he's talking backwards, and it's just kind of a. And when we say backwards, we're not talking backwards like Yoda. We're talking legit backwards. <laughs> when he says yes, that actually means no. Yes, and vice versa. And it creates <laughs> so. this big like puzzle out of the whole thing. Um, one of my favorite uh, arcs in the uh, Batman Superman comic is called. Uh, I think it's called Batman Superman Vengeance. I don't know if you've ever read this uh, one. Vengeance. That's the that's the one where with Batzaro as well. Yes, right? yeah. Yes, I I have read Bizarro it. and Batzaro are running around doing their own thing. Superman and Batman fight a bootleg version of the Avengers in the book. By the end of it, every single version of Batman and Superman are on the page at once, and the whole thing <laughs> is uh, the whole plot is being masterminded by. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mixelplicked and the Joker at the same time. It is, if you love Super... Yeah. Mixapitlick? Mr. Mixapitlick? Yeah. Yeah. I I just, everybody online says Mixelplicked, so I just went with that. But, uh, yeah. Did you see the Supergirl episode where they used Mixapitlick? No, I haven't seen that yet. It's it's a fantastic episode, but they say it, like, and I'm assuming it's correct because it's coming straight from the mouth of DC, so yeah. they say it over and over and over again, so that's where I, I got always, the pronunciation. I heard, like, the correct is Mixyazpitlick, like Mixyazpitlick, but I've heard so many say people say Mixelplicked. Um Anyways, what I was saying is if you love superheroes in general, read Batman Superman Vengeance because it is such a treat. But, uh, yeah, Bizarro is my next pick. So. Nice. All right, well, my next one, I have a feeling we're going to match on one more. I really do. Um, but my next one is Bane. Okay, awesome. Um, he Bane, made my short list. Okay, Bane, I've always liked the character from the beginning, from when we first got introduced <clears throat> to him with the Nightfall comics and stuff. What I like about Bane is that he is physically an adversary for Batman. A lot of Batman's villains, Batman could take out with one punch. You know what I mean? They're not physically... Like, Batman is such this physical specimen. He's kind of made himself into, like, the ultimate weapon that most of the villains that Batman faces, one punch could take him down. 
they always make the fight scenes a little bit more elaborate, more exciting, but one punch could technically... Batman could one punch the Riddler. Come on. Mm-hmm. So Bane is a physical match to Batman. Awesome. But Bane is also a intelligent match to Batman. He's just as smart as Batman, which makes him a double threat. And that's one of the reasons I really like Bane, because he can be big and strong and kick Batman's butt, but he can also like outsmart Batman at the same time. Mm-hmm. And... I loved how they handled them in The Dark Knight Rises. I thought they did that so well. Um, so, yeah, just really, really mm-hmm. cool stuff is, they've done with Bane. Is The Dark Knight Rises your favorite version of Bane? Or? Um, I think it's my favorite visual version of Bane. Oh, wow, okay. Because I love the Bane mask. I love what they did with the mask in The Dark Knight Rises. Like, how that mask looks. That's probably my favorite visual iteration. However, the way they handle the character on a comic level... I think I liked I like better because there was some really cool stuff. They actually did a Batman Beyond um, episode, yeah, uh, where Bat they were concerned that it was Bane behind the big drug plot, like because people were using Venom to like get stronger, and yeah. they thought it was Bane. So they went and investigated, and Batman Beyond because it takes place in the future. Bane is like hooked up yeah, to our life support this. machines and stuff like that, so he's not the Bane that we know. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, um, so yeah, definitely I like the visual. Of Dark Knight Rises as opposed to the... I, I liked Dark Knight Rises as... Dark Knight Rises' voice I liked the best, too. Oh, I, I actually disagree with that, but that's no big deal. That's right. Uh, uh, Dark Knight Rises, I like him as a realistic portrayal of Bane. I, As far as like my actual favorite version, I lean more to the comics. Uh, visually, my favorite version would have to be from the Arkham games. Like I think oh, they right, made yeah. Bane look like... If you read the comics and you want to see that in like a 3D video game form, that did such a good job. Of yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That, that was a really good one, along with the the visual of Bane in um, uh, Batman: The Assault on Arkham, the straight to DVD movie. Right. That's a really, really cool visual of Bane. So nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, what do you got? So my last pick was talking about a super or a perfect opposite to Superman, and this one I kind of feel like still is, but doesn't get a lot of. Doesn't get said in that way a lot, but uh, it's definitely Lex Luthor. Oh, that's so, what I thought you were going to say before. Yeah, to, to me, like, Lex Luthor is the is such a good example of the opposite of Superman. Like, he's a guy who fights with his intellect instead of strength. Um, he is a guy who's super rich from, or super rich in the city. Superman's like a not super rich farm kid. Like, there's so many different, like, ways that they're perfect opposites, but... What's awesome about Lex Luthor is he's literally like this businessman who's using his, um, like what he has available to him to fight the strongest man in the world. And I love that sort of resourcefulness. I love that just that he's like literally you think supervillain. I think a lot of people think of Lex Luthor. Like they think of that idea of like the crazy businessman who's like gonna build a robot to go fight the superhero or whatever it is and i love that uh i just love that he is a normal human but he's like within like the top five dc supervillains or something like that so i mean i don't know if you have any thoughts on lex luther um uh no i lex luther is a really cool villain i i really like there's a lot of different takes on the character a lot of them are very similar but i think What's funny is is that my favorite versions of Lex Luthor, I honestly want to say, is the Smallville Lex Luthor. Right. Like, Michael Rosenbaum was awesome mm-hmm. as Lex Luthor. Um, I liked him a lot in the Batman animated series. Um, 
some of the stuff they did with him on New 52 was really interesting and questionable. I never, they wanted to almost kind of make him a good guy. Yeah. But he was still like, you could tell that no one wanted to trust him, even the readers, like, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the, um, what they're doing with Lex Luthor right now on Supergirl, spoiler, if you didn't know, Lex <laughs> Luthor's on Supergirl. Yeah, I know he's on there. John Cryer is just, it's great. That's awesome. Like, it is absolutely great, and I just look forward to more of it. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I just, he's a, he's a great villain to focus on. And you know what? I liked the, um, Jesse Eisenberg, Lex Luthor from Batman vs. Superman. Yeah. But a lot of people who argue are like, man, I didn't like that take on him. Well, let me tell you this. That's not Lex Luthor. Yeah. That's Alexander Luthor, his son. Mm-hmm. And that's in dialogue if you missed it. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and a lot of people like, uh, like, especially like Superman animated series and a lot of the comics they started making. Lex Luthor look uh, physically imposing, like he was yeah. pretty buff. But I think like the movie Batman v Superman version is okay because Lex Luthor's—he's a human. He's not going to be able to beat Superman up as much as he wants to, and that's why I think like maybe a skinnier guy who just is really smart and can use other resources is an okay way to go. Um, I really like—I'm um, trying to think of my favorite version. I really like. Uh, in the comics, when uh, Lex kind of has his, like, Kryptonian uh, suit that's, like, kind of gives him super strength and stuff like that, so he can kind of hang with the, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the big guys, so. Yep. Um, well, uh, you good with that? You're my next pick? My yeah. turn? Yeah, okay. go for it. So my turn, uh, my next pick is the Joker. Awesome. Did we, we match, match on this, this one? Great, yeah. so the Joker's your final pick? Yes. Which yes. is interesting that I still have one more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, uh... This, the Joker, is probably one of the greatest villains in comic book history ever. I'd probably say he's the most iconic of the comic book villains. We have a movie coming, which looks great. Um, Heath Ledger's performance. uh, On a psychological level, this character is so cool. And I love that moment in The Dark Knight when he tells Batman this is what happens when an immovable object meets an unstoppable force. Like, that's... We're destined to do this forever because Batman's not going to kill him. The Joker's not going to kill Batman. Like, that's just... They're just going to yeah. be, you know, at each other's throats for the rest of their existence. They've done some really funny Joker-related stuff. And they've done some really, really dark Joker things. Like, the death in the family, the death of Jason Todd Robin, the death of the family where Joker tried tearing apart the Bat family from within. If you haven't read that story arc, it is gripping. Um, but, the and uh, some, what the Joker tried doing in um, no, the No Man's Land story arc where he wanted, he was going to kill all the babies in Gotham at once because that's <laughs> how you kill hope. Like, mm-hmm. there's some, it's just amazing. And we don't get Harley Quinn without the Joker. Um, but I don't know if you were going to ask me, and I know you're going to say what's your favorite take on the Joker. Um, I honestly want to say, as like I love the Heath Ledger Joker. So if we're talking live action, Heath Ledger, hands down. Mm-hmm. best joker um i liked jared leto's performance i look forward to joaquin phoenix's performance for the time i loved the jack nicholson joker but that was for the time that was a specific era of the batman but at the end of the day batman animated series joker is my favorite yeah i mean that's it, the one you have really to go to. You, you almost have to mark hamill's performance as the joker is so good yeah and the way they structured that character it's like everything that the joker should be and is you know and it's 
the advantage of the animated series is they had such a long yeah it was, time it was long form it. and they could really mm-hmm. like um like Heath Ledger Joker for example you only really got a taste of that character yeah. and they left you wanting more which was genius I think uh movie wise I think I have to go Heath Ledger um you were talking about them doing things with the Joker that's either funny or really dark but I think the Joker's done best when he is both at the same time. I yeah. think Heath Ledger did the best job of like being he's dark. hilarious, he's but hilarious, he's but also it's super dark. Yeah, like that whole uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this pencil disappear or whatever yeah. the line is. That is like both the scariest thing and the funniest thing I've ever you seen need, in my life. You need to be able to like, and that's and maybe that's the thing that Jared Leto didn't do. He wasn't funny so much as he was like he was the Joker for sure, and I bought it. Yeah. But he was more serious gangster joker. Yes. And you need to be able to blend the line between the two very subtly. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mark Hamill definitely did it. I know that was part of the writing, but you have to be, as an actor, you have to deliver those lines and yeah. make them go both I do, live action, I do, and I know I'm going to get so much crap for this, but I do think Jared Leto might be my my second favorite version. Ooh. And I think, There's nothing wrong just with from a design statement. standpoint, and this, the way you said he's more serious gangster joker but just how i felt like he was so believable as a modern day gangster you know and i just feel like they did a very unexpected approach to it and i think it's pretty creative and i think they don't get maybe as much credit as they deserve because i think it was just caught people off guard and they see jared leto and they go that's not the joker with all that said, I will admit, I think the face tattoos gotta go. <laughs> like, I didn't mind the tattoo aspect, <laughs> but, like, the damage that it said damaged across his forehead, I yeah. wasn't down with that, so. Yeah, some of the tats, maybe the tattoos were a little overboard, but yeah. I really liked the look. If you look at the different, if you look at the different versions of the Joker we've got over the time, over live action and animated, the versions we've gotten over the course of time, and then you go back and look at the comic books, the different iterations, they've almost shown us all the different versions of the Joker we've gotten into the comic books. The Jared Leto Joker is actually based off of a very specific art yeah. piece of art. The Heath Ledger one, the same. The Jack Nicholson one, the same. I mean... You know, and the Mark Hamill one, the animated series is very similar to almost the yeah. standard Joker that you get. Yeah. So, and then uh, one thing I want to say that I kind of just thought of, but I was thinking about this when I put the list together. So I guess I should say I just remembered it. But the thing about the Joker is it's his design is both extremely specific, but also very vague because he is a clown slash a guy with a creepy smile, and that's something everybody can relate to. Like there was pulp villains before the joker existed and there was the movie the man who laughed or the man who laughs and that's a really creepy depiction of a villain and then they bring out the joker and now he exists in that space where he is really specific like you see the joker and like yeah that's the joker but he's also something vague that everybody can relate to and that's why i think he is so iconic and he's kind of a genius level of character design you know what i mean um so, yeah. Well, that's the Joker. Do you have anything else you want to... <laughs> I don't, it, I don't yeah. know. Like, I feel like... I mean, we could... I know we'll be talking about the Joker at some other point in time, <laughs> too. So, mm-hmm. um, especially with the movie coming out. Uh, what's your final pick of the night? Uh, that was my final pick. Oh, that was your final pick. My bad, <laughs> yeah. My bad. All right, that rolls back to me for my last pick, and then we can put this episode in the bag. Uh, so, my final pick of the night is Hush. Okay. Now, 
there's a reason I saved him for the end to talk about. It's not that he makes my favorite because this list for me isn't ranked. It's just these are my favorites like usual. But uh, the reason Hush makes my list. So if you're not familiar with the character Hush, one, the Batman, the story arc Batman Hush is one of the coolest Batman story arcs there is. It's one of my favorites. There's going to be a straight-to-DVD, um, straight-to-video Batman movie called Hush, which is based off the story arc that comes out later this year. Um, I'm really excited for it. But this character, we all know the Joker, the Penguin, the Riddler, Catwoman, you know, this the, the standard Batman rogues gallery we know. So Jeff Loeb and uh, Jim Lee, they go in to do a Batman story, but they want to do something new. Mm-hmm. So they create a villain that is very fresh. It was almost like a breath of fresh air. Someone who is psychologically able to deal with the Batman and physically able to deal with the Batman. Not on the same level as Bane. <laughs> right. Not on the same yeah. level as Bane, but on, on a mysterious level. You're like, who is this? I can't figure it out. It's one of the. It's a cool detective story to try and figure out who it is. At the same time, it's just an epic, exciting story. Um, Hush p- comes into play randomly throughout different things. You see him come in and out, and he disappears for a while, and then he comes back and in different arcs. But Hush is a villain. I've just he's just a really really cool character as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrapped with the bandages around his head, uses the two pistols. You think he's one character, and then you find out he's not. Mm-hmm. And you actually think it's another character in disguise, and you find out it's not. And they did some really nifty things. Nifty, <laughs> what a word! But they did some really really cool things with that character. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say, striking uh, character design when you're talking about yeah. him with the bandages. But also, like, I love, uh, like, Hush as a story arc. That was, like, I don't know what it was, but there's, like, something in the air when Hush was coming out where it was, like, Jim Lee was drawing it, and that artwork was so awesome, and it just felt like... It was just awesome. Like, uh, we when we went to the C2E2 Batman 80th anniversary panel, like... Jason Fabach mentioned Hush like that was like his influence and I've heard other people like even uh Chris Daughtry on Fat Man on Batman said like Hush in- influenced him when he was like trying to get back into comic book art and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's, you've like, read awesome. it right? I've read parts of it like oh, I dude you yeah. need to re- you need to read the whole thing and then when and then what's really interesting is when you find out who Hush really is mm-hmm. and then when I not say like who's behind the mask but who's behind the guy yeah. Like the guy behind the guy. <laughs> For me, that, it was always that, uh, that's, that whole, like... And I don't want to say it's a twist, but there's a it's like a guy behind yeah. a guy, and, like, the, the, the plot, the way it's all rolled together, like, brilliant writing by Jeff Lowe. That whole, like, uh, Batman versus Superman and Poison Ivy situation that comes into play, that's, like, the part I read, and, like, oh. everybody who's, like, claims kryptonite gauntlets can take down Superman. Oh, but, I mean, <laughs> that's a whole different well, discussion. that's but, a whole other yeah. discussion, but that moment with Batman and Superman is fantastic. Yeah, and, and I, I think it works because Superman's under Poison Ivy's spell, too. He is. He, Superman's being mind-controlled yeah. to take out Batman. And so, spoilers, if you're going to, A, read the, watch the animated movie, or B, if you're going to read the story arc, Batman, eventually, in the fight, he reaches into his utility belt and pulls out a kryptonite ring. And puts it on his hand, and he punches Superman in the face. I thought he had gauntlets. The no, I they, they were, were like built into his gauntlets. No, that's from Dark Knight Strikes Again. That's the second Dark Knight book that Frank Miller wrote. Is where he gets the okay. kryptonite gauntlets. In For Hush, in I Hush, it is okay. just a ring with a kryptonite rock on it. Yeah, and he hits Superman, and it's great because Catwoman is like Superman's hunting Batman and Catwoman, 
and Bat Catwoman's like, you know, he's in, we can't fight him, and Batman says he's the best at what he does, but not at what I do. And then he puts the ring on his finger and clocks Superman in the face. And then Superman comes at Batman again, and he hits him a second time. And then you see Batman, he says, I have to move the ring to the other hand. If I hit him again, it's going to break every yeah. bone in my arm. And then he hits him with the other arm. The fight was great, but at the end of the fight, and this is what makes it so cool, is when they finally get Bat Superman out from under Poison Ivy's mind control. They're standing on a rooftop talking, and Superman says to Batman, I knew I gave the ring to the right person. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my god, that's yeah. you know, it's not like Batman I, had the I ring. I love those like, moments. Like, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's like a, so good. I don't know what the Justice League arc is, but uh, essentially, there's like a kryptonite bullet that comes into place, and I, there's right. a similar moment where at the end of it, Superman gives Batman the bullet. Um, my only thing with like a kryptonite ring, and this is like super tangent, but like, yeah, it's cool. You have a kryptonite ring, but Superman in his right mind, I still maintain like, yeah, you've got kryptonite, but how are you going to get close to the guy? Well, that's and the I thing. Like, like, in, the, yeah. in the scene, Superman goes right after Batman, and he just, Batman just And he's under him. Poison Ivy's spell, right. he's too, just, He so just clocks him, so he's not, yeah. you know, Poison Ivy's just like, go get him, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, no, yeah, fantastic. So, <laughs> um, I know we got off tangent because of the Batman Superman no, moment, it's but good, it was all stuff, in though, the Hush story, and mm-hmm. um, Hush is fantastic. So, um, that brings us to the end. So, what are we doing next week, man? Okay, awesome. So It's your pick. If, you, if the listeners couldn't tell yet, we are definitely in con season. You know, we just had C2E2. <laughs> we just had Star, Star Wars Celebration. Celebration. And I kind of want to keep that energy going. So this I one, don't know how many more conventions we're going to be going to, but... Yeah, but uh, so this one is kind of has to do with conventions. I want to do our top five dream cosplays. And I want to like... This would be like I would dress up as the character? Yeah, so, so but the scenario wow. is... You have unlimited money, time, and resources. You can make five costumes of five characters, and we can talk about who we would pick. And I think this is a cool one because we can get into what you know, what costume designs do we really like. But not only that, we might have some cool insights to like, man, if I had unlimited resources, this is how <laughs> I would do it. And then uh, also, like, I mean, I think this is something we could get creative with. Like, if you want to do a weird crossover costume like if your dream cosplays like steampunk iron man or something like that you know we might have some creative off the wall answers so i mean yeah. i don't know what you think but i thought it'd be a fun no list that's actually a really really cool list and um yeah i look forward to putting my list together so <laughs> nice um next week uh we'll be doing our dream cosplay setups so mm-hmm. let's see where this goes um so with that being said i know i say that a lot i gotta stop saying with that being said i'm getting on a roll i noticed i was listening back at an episode and i realized i say that way too much so, so with that that being said <laughs> come yeah. on. uh check out our website top5report.com there you will find links to all of our social media twitter and facebook if you'd like to follow me personally on twitter and or instagram um it is drew3927 uh it's the same as both um i just posted a bunch of photos from uh, Star Wars Celebration, so please check them out. There are some really cool photos I put up there. Um, uh, please subscribe to us on iTunes. If you subscribe to us, you will not miss a single episode, um, and you can leave us a review, five stars or otherwise. We do like criticism because it helps us get better, um, and it also makes the words we say feel important. Um, did you want to drop your work in the oh, yeah, For you? sure. Um, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at Ninja Pierre. Um, and then you can also find me 
on Facebook, maybe it comments on the top five report. I might regret saying that, but whatever. And then lastly, I just want to say they should have given Ray Ray a uh, Pike lightsaber. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, not with that being said, um, <laughs> I said it again. Um, for the top five report, I'm Drew.